Lars Dean has arrived. Welcome to the Anxious Therapist Podcast. My name is Jacqueline and I am your host. Today's episode might just be the most special one I will ever share with you all. I asked on Instagram and unanimously it was decided that hundreds of you want to hear Lars's birth story. So I am going to share that with you today. I'm going to talk about how Derek supported me through the process, what labor and delivery were like, my mental health, and these first few days of motherhood. Are you ready? Let's do this. We may or may not have a guest on this episode because Lars is currently sleeping on my chest as I'm recording this. And with a newborn, he might scream or fuss or (laughs) make some kind of noise at any given time. So that is your heads up. But it feels appropriate to do my first postpartum episode with him right on my chest. And so I am thrilled to be sharing my birth story with all of you. It is such a special experience. It is unlike anything I've ever done in my entire life. And there were so many twists and turns and unexpected things that I want to normalize these conversations because I feel like there's so much fear around birth and the pain that you go through and what the experience is like. And I want to have these conversations where we openly talk about what it was like, what things our bodies go through, the process and all of that. Because I know for me, that was the only thing that helped me decide I wanted to like that that's what helped me write my birth plan was reading a book all about um childbirth and reading l- other women's experiences so that I could prepare myself and one of my affirmations for the process was I am channeling the energy of all the women who came before me you know all the women who've already done this and so That was really powerful for me, and I want to share about that. So this story begins um, October 19th. It was a Tuesday, and I started having contractions in the afternoon. Um, Nothing crazy, but I was like, oh, man, that's new. And so kind of started paying attention to it. Derek came home from work. You know, he was out in our home gym working out and I just, you know, he came in to check on me and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely having contractions and, um, you know, nothing to worry about. It's not, it's like half an hour between them. Like, I'll just keep an eye on it. So I'm sitting in our living room watching TV, bouncing on the yoga ball, um, doing lunges and all kinds of stuff and just, it would hit and it would be like, you know, maybe 30, 45 seconds of discomfort, and then it wouldn't happen again for a while. Um, And so 
that continued on and off throughout the night. We didn't sleep much, um, but by about 5 a.m., we both fell asleep, and at this point, we had called uh, my midwife a couple of times and the charge nurse at our hospital where I would be delivering just to make sure everything was okay and that we didn't need to come in because I was having some bleeding and everything was checking out. They weren't concerned and so we stayed home and tried to get some sleep. So we fell asleep for a bit, woke up because we had a a scheduled growth ultrasound appointment because I was about to be 40 weeks and they wanted to make sure that Lars was still good to keep cooking in there. Um, an appointment that I almost canceled in the middle of the night because I was having contractions and I thought, oh, we're, we're going to have to go to the hospital. We're not going to this appointment. Well, after we woke up that Wednesday morning, um, I wasn't having contractions anymore. So I got in the shower, got ready, and you know we already had the car packed up. So we headed to our growth ultrasound appointment and he was checking out great. Heart rate was fine. Um, you know, they were measuring him to be almost eight pounds in when he was in the womb from the ultrasound. They measured his head. Everything looked good. And then they checked how much fluid was still in there with him. And she's like, okay, you're not showing a ton of fluid in there. And so we went across the hall to meet with a doctor after the ultrasound. And she immediately walked in and said, you guys are going to the hospital. You're having a baby today. And so the amount of fluid left in there with him was concerning. And so they sent us over to the hospital. We went and got admitted. And like, this sounds more intense than it was, but it wasn't anything like startling. They were just like, he needs to come, you know, there's not enough amniotic fluid and, but he's doing fine and all of that. So we're just kind of nonchalantly, like we head over to the hospital, which was literally right across the street from the clinic. And we get admitted right away, checked in. Um, They get us set up in our room, introduce us to our nurse and all that stuff. And so at this point, I'm not having contractions. I'm, I'm just chilling. And so our nurse comes in and, um, says, you know, we're going to have to get you started on Pitocin to get those contractions going again. And I'm like, okay, you know, this was not part of my plan. This is already, I'm derailed. You know, my plan was to labor at home and head to the hospital to deliver essentially. And that was no longer going to happen. I wanted to labor entirely naturally without any meds. And I was now going to have to have an IV and um, start receiving the Pitocin. So I'm like, okay, I already am surrendering. Whatever happens today happens as long as he gets here happy and healthy, we're going to be fine, which obviously was the goal the whole time. But, you know, I wanted to manifest a certain experience and visualize it for my own sanity in the weeks leading up to this point. And so I had it in my mind what things were going to look like. And that changed on me. And it's totally okay. So I was sitting there accepting that. um, And Derek and I were like, well, we were not anticipating coming to the hospital right now like we were both tired I wanted to go home and take a nap and so I said to Derek like why don't you go pick us up lunch and come back so he goes and gets us Chick-fil-a 
yum and comes back and we eat lunch you know by this point it's maybe like 11 11 30 and while he was gone they got my IV all set up um we had my IV and external fetal monitors put on so I had um taped to my belly the you know heart rate monitor and something that was monitoring my contractions so he comes back and we eat lunch and we're just kind of hanging out and then they start the pitocin and I start having regular contractions so probably every three minutes or so I was having contractions now the monitor tracks contractions I have no idea what the measurement is, but on a scale of like zero to 100, okay? And it it tracks along, like when you're not having a contraction, you're at a zero. You're just at the bottom. And then when you start having a contraction, it builds and it's like a little graph and the line starts climbing, climbing, climbing. And then toward as your, you know, your contraction hits a peak where it's most intense and then it starts to come back down, okay? So it's like these mountains and then it levels off and so as I'm having contractions the highest point at this point is going up to like 50 I'm only reaching a 50 on that little scale so it builds up to a 50 and then it comes back down so I'm kind of like walking around our room um, which felt like we were at like a freaking Ritz or something like a fancy ass resort because our room was so nice. Um, anyway, I'm walking around our room, just kind of breathing through the contractions, and I was definitely having some back labor. So Derek is giving counter pressure on my hips, trying to help me give get relief during the contractions. And we had friends on TV. We're just like hanging out. We would breathe through the contractions, and then you know whatever. So um, after a little bit. Um, you know, they, they check me, my midwife comes and she's like, you're three and a half centimeters dilated, which is obviously nowhere near 10 centimeters. And so we know we're kind of in for it. It's going to be a while. So they keep me on the Pitocin. So it starts really ramping up my contractions. They're now coming faster and, you know, but we're monitoring baby everything's still good. His heart rate is awesome. And so once the Pitocin kind of, you know, keeps going and starts getting more and more intense, um, they ask me to switch positions and go get in the tub. So my midwife or my nurse, somebody ran a bath and I went and got, oh, I missed a whole part. Hold on. Before I got in the tub, right before I got in the tub, um, Derek and I were in my room by ourselves, you know, they're not like hovering or anything. There's no reason for like nurses and my midwife to be in there right now. And so I'm just going through my contractions. We're hanging out. He's keeping people updated and he is standing behind me, giving me counter pressure on my back during a contraction, a particularly, particularly rough one. And all of a sudden I have this sensation like I've never experienced before in my life. And I said, my water broke. And the gushing feeling that comes with that 
is wild. There is nothing like that. I'm just standing at the edge of my bed. He is holding my hips and I'm like, I have to go in the bathroom. Like, so I go and I get on the toilet and this, just let this gush happen. And so, um, Derek, in the meantime, he's sitting out in the, you know, main part of our room and a nurse comes in and he's like, um, I think her water broke. Uh, she said it was gushing and the nurse comes in and checks on me and I'm like, yep, my water definitely broke. And she said, okay, let's get you in the tub. Okay. Because obviously things are progressing. So that was the point that then I get in the tub and it's maybe, I don't know, one or two in the afternoon at this point. So I've still, I've really only been having contractions for a couple of hours at this point, but after my water breaks and they had continued upping the Pitocin this entire time. And so the contractions are getting more and more intense. They're not at that 50 level anymore. Now we're hitting 75, 80 every time. And so we're still not all the way up to a hundred, but we are climbing. They are getting very intense. So I'm in the tub and Derek's sitting with me. He's just holding my hand and oh my goodness. I was so exhausted already at this point. I hadn't slept the night before, mind you. And so I'm literally falling asleep between contractions in the tub. So I would, and and this is like a minute and a half, two minutes tops, but I would fall asleep and then a contraction would pick up and I would startle myself awake try to breathe through the contraction, and then I would end up falling back asleep. It was the weirdest experience of my life because you think when you're like going in and out of that much pain that there's no way you'd be able to fall asleep, but I was so exhausted. When I tell you that 90% of that day was spent with my eyes closed, I'm not joking. Like I literally would just close my eyes and try to breathe through whatever was happening and literally sleep in like 30 second pockets as much as I could. So I labored in the tub for, I have no idea how long. And they had stopped the Pitocin at this point. They were like, you things are escalating rapidly. You do not need it anymore. Your body is doing what it needs to do. So based on how I was reacting to the contractions in the tub, they were like, we need to get you out and check how far dilated you are. So I get out, I get back in my bed and they check and I'm dilated like a five or six at this point. And they're like, shit, like they really thought I was going to be farther along. And so they're monitoring baby's heart rate still, still checking things out. And the next like two hours is kind of a blur. So I'm going to give you my best rundown. Essentially, we tried a bunch of different positions um, on all fours, hanging over the back of my hospital bed. That was extremely painful, but we needed to be in that position to help him, you know, like let gravity do its work. <laughs> so I stayed in that for a while. Um, I thought I would want to be like walking around and stuff, but my legs would give out and Derek would have to kind of hold me up. And so that wasn't really working. (laughs) Um, So eventually I ended up back on my side with a peanut ball and 
we did that. So as I was switching positions at one point, I looked at Derek and said, I'm going to throw up. And I got violently sick. And this is good. This is a good sign. You know, the nurse came in and my midwife is there and she's like, this is good. This means you're in transition. And so at that point, I knew I was going from the hardest point of just having contractions to uh, this point where my baby was going to come soon. So I threw up, I got really sick and something that literally no one talks about that they say is super normal, but I've literally not heard one person share their story of this is that when you have this surge of hormones and adrenaline happening in your body during labor, like toward the end, you can shake convulsively. So I was, my entire body was involuntarily shaking, like nothing I've ever experienced before. It was like I was freezing to death and my whole body was shivering so bad. So that was really uncomfortable. That part really sucked. I did not enjoy that. Um, So when that started happening and the contractions were now, you know, happening back to back sometimes where I would not even get a moment of breather between them, I looked at Derek and I said, I need some relief. And so we tried the nitrous oxide. I held the mask to my face and tried to just breathe in um, to get a little bit of a relief from the like it's like a laughing gas type thing I guess and that was pissing me off more than anything I got absolutely nothing from it they say you're supposed to use it before your pain reaches what my pain was at and so it was totally ineffective um but I did have saline shots in my back for the back labor and so what it is is like a layer I'm, okay, any medical people, I know I'm going to fuck this up. But I, listen, I was having contractions. They were telling me about this option and I went with it. So essentially, it's like a saline solution that goes between your skin and your nerve endings to block that like pain receptor. And so I got four of these shots in my low back. I had two nurses doing it at the same time. So I would get two shots at once and then the other two. And it was horrendous. It burned so bad. It was so painful. And you would think I was already in so much pain, but it was so awful. And it was like the worst bee stings of your life times 100. But that really helped so that I didn't feel like I was laboring in my back anymore. And now it was all around my front and my low stomach. So that was really, really helpful. I'm glad that I did that. So I got a little bit of relief from that as far as the back pain went. But I'm laying in my bed on my side. Um, I have the peanut ball. And all of a sudden, I'm like barely aware, but they're the staff, the nurses are like talking about baby's heart rate. And Derek is, you know, he's just with me. He is so focused on me. He's just watching me doing whatever I need him to do. And, you know, so he kind of told it back to me, but 
apparently with every contraction, baby's heart rate would drop. So he would go from, you know, being at like 150 to 70 really fast with my intense contractions. So at this point, they decided that they needed to monitor him internally. So they, you know, go in vaginally and attach um, a monitor to his head and one to my cervix to get a more accurate reading of how he's doing and how my contractions are going. So they're doing all of this. Like at this point, you guys, I have no attachment to my body. Like do whatever you want to me. Whatever has to happen, go for it. Don't care. Get this baby into my arms ASAP, right? And so they're monitoring him and it starts climbing and I'm like, I need to push. Like, I cannot do this. And they're like, you cannot push yet. And so then I was like, I looked at Derek and I said, I need some relief. Like, I'm like crying. I can't do this. You know, my, my self-talk went from, you know, positive and affirmations and I'm so strong and I've got this and I'm doing a great job in my head to like, I literally cannot do this. Like, nope, he's just going to have to stay in there. You know, I, I don't know what to do to bring him into this world, I'm, but I am not capable of doing it. And as soon as my brain made that switch, I knew I needed help. And so, it, again, was not part of my plan, but at about 5 o'clock, I asked for an epidural. And so that doesn't just happen quickly. You know, they got to track down the anesthesiologist. He's got to come in and get all set up and administer it. And then it's still a while before you start feeling anything, right? So let's say 5.30, I would say, I am in agony. Oh my gosh, there's nothing like it. And so the anesthesiologist comes in. I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. He's waiting for a contraction to stop so that he can get me in the position that I need to be in. And he puts in the epidural. I didn't feel a thing. Some people say the epidural is painful. I got nothing from it. I didn't feel anything. And so um, he administers it. I get back on my side. I'm laying down. They're getting me in different positions. And I can start to feel a slight numbing kind of tingly sensation in my lower body. It was just enough of taking the edge off that I was able to dilate to nine and a half centimeters. And I was making my midwife check because I kept yelling at her, I need to push, I want to push. Like this feeling came over me that was like, my body knows what to do. Just let me do it. And she's like, okay, you know, let's, let's do it. And so they, you know, get the, get the stirrups out and put my legs up. And she's like, you are only dilated to a nine and a half. So I am going to have to hold open the rest of your cervix while you push. So she is all up in my business. I don't care. Like there is not a care in the world at this point. I am finally getting to push and it feels so much better. So with every contraction, I start pushing. And um, at this point, I would say it's probably like 6.30, 6.45. And so I'm pushing and his heart rate is still dropping. And so they go and get the doctor 
And she comes in with the vacuum, which is, I didn't even see it. Again, my eyes are closed the whole time, but Derek described it as this little disc um, that they inserted and attached to his head and used to help guide him out. So on my last like two pushes, they used the vacuum to help him come out and they threw him on my chest and that was that. It was amazing. In those last moments, that last push, they said, hold your breath. And so I'm holding my legs, Derek on one side and nurse on the other. They're kind of helping hold my legs. And my eyes are closed and I'm holding my breath and I am just pushing with everything that I've got. And a nurse who was standing over me said, oh, I'm going to cry. She's like, open your eyes. (laughs) And I did. And I I literally, my God, I literally opened my eyes in time to see them taking him out. And they towel him off like slightly in the air, but like immediately he was on my chest, which was part of my birth plan. So that was one part that did go as planned. And I'm laying there with him and I can like feel everything that's happening around me. Like my midwife is delivering my placenta. My, um, the other nurse is handing Derek a scissors to cut his umbilical cord. Like it just is like, everything is chaos, but nothing mattered. (laughs) It was like, it was like the pain was immediately gone. And I was just in this blissed out state. It was wild. So Derek cuts the umbilical cord. My midwife delivers my placenta. I'm just laying there. Um, I did have to have some stitching. So she's doing that, but I don't care. Like could not care less. I have my husband by my side and our new baby. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I really didn't think I was going to cry talking about this. Um, And so we're getting all the fresh baby snuggles. So for the next hour and a half, we just didn't move. We just sat and he got to lay on my chest. And man, those nurses and my midwife, they are phenomenal. Like they just get everything cleaned up and moved out and whatever, like so fast. It's like, did, did I just have a baby? (laughs) You know? So, so after she delivers the placenta, I'm all stitched up. Things are settling down. My body's still shaking a little bit, but the adrenaline is subsiding, a pain subsiding, you know, the hormones are coming down. And so we laid there in this bliss and my midwife cleaned up my placenta and literally showed it to us, like opened up the womb, showed us where he'd been living, how the placenta works. Like it's talking us through, it was wild. Um, highly recommend if you're interested in that, if you have ever have the opportunity to see your placenta post-birth, oh my God, please do it. It was incredible. Like my body created this organ to 
keep my baby alive. And that was amazing to see it. So then they have to come in and finish cleaning him up and take all of his measurements and do all of that. So you know the story from there. We spent two nights in the hospital kind of learning how to breastfeed. Um, but all in all, we got admitted to the hospital at 930 in the morning and he was born at 708 that night. It was a really fast day. And my favorite thing aside from meeting our son was Derek's support. The way he showed up for me that day, it changed my love for him. Um, I would be in the middle of a contraction and I'd look up at him. Goodness. (laughs) And I, he would say, you're doing so good. And he would just have tears running down his face. And I cannot even imagine what he was feeling. Just like so helpless watching the person that you love be in so much pain and there's like not really anything you can do about it but he did amazing he just kept telling me you're doing so good he's gonna be here soon and it's like a new love was born because the amount of genuine concern and like love in his eyes for me it's unmatched there's there was nothing like it and so to have that to have somebody you know and and since I got pregnant like he is been very adamant that he's like I am not going to be one of those dads that you know doesn't go to the appointments and doesn't know how to do stuff and doesn't know everything that he's like I want to know everything that you know when it comes to our baby and man he showed up he showed up that was incredible and it was a lot of conversations that we had ahead of time you know he knew my birth plan front and back like I did he knew what I wanted he knew how to support me. We talked through affirmations that he could use. It was amazing. Best experience I've ever had with him in our almost decade of being together. So after they get baby cleaned up, Derek finally gets to do his own skin to skin time. And so they're getting their snuggles in. Um, You know, we had uh, those first (laughs) couple days you know that first night in the hospital the baby just sleeps so much he's been through so much and I am just trying to recover a little bit um we we try to take turns sleeping because you're like so on edge (laughs) so we're like okay you watch him for a little bit and I'll get some sleep and then we switching back and forth but I'm still getting checked on baby's still getting checked on regularly So it's super disruptive and we really wanted to go home the next day. We wanted to go home on Thursday, but with breastfeeding and all of that, it felt like we still needed some time in the hospital. So we stayed one more night and we came home on Friday. Now, aside from the birth story, that excitement of that, 
I want to talk about what this has been like on my mental health because that was a big concern of mine. Obviously, being diagnosed with anxiety and depression and then knowing, you know, I was in a really good space throughout my pregnancy, um, had a very good experience. My mental health is being well taken care of. But there's this fear that postpartum is going to bring all that to the surface. You know, women who are previously diagnosed with mental illness are at a higher risk of having difficulties postpartum. And we are, you know, Lars is currently 12 days old. (laughs) And so it's been an adjustment. We've been home for 10 of those days and breastfeeding is a mental, emotional struggle on its own. In those first few days before my milk had come in, you know, we were having to supplement. In the hospital, we used donor breast milk, but when we were coming home, we had to use some formula um, to make sure that he was getting enough. And that mentally was really hard for me because, again, I had this expectation and this vision of feeding him. And obviously, fed is best. 100%. Um, but you have this expectation and this goal and you can't help but feel like a failure when your body isn't, you know, doing what you need it to do. And even though it's nothing I'm consciously choosing, right? It, it's still so taxing. Not to mention you're absolutely sleep deprived. Um, exhausted, worn out, and yet entirely in bliss. It's it's the most confusing experience. But in these first couple weeks, I have laughed until I've cried. I've sat in the nursery by myself looking at him and just cried. I've gotten frustrated with my you know, lack of sleep. I've gotten frustrated with not producing enough breast milk that I just cry. I have had intrusive thoughts and worries about, you know, something bad happening to him. And those intrusive thoughts in particular are really hard because that's something with my anxiety that I worked really, really hard to overcome. And so to have some of those creeping back in has been really challenging. But I will say this, all of the work that I put in on my healing journey is paying off right now because it only lasts for a short amount of time. Like when I get anxious or when I'm really sad and low, it's not even to a point where I would call it postpartum you know, anxiety or depression at this point, it's, it's, I'm able to keep it under control. And that's hard to do when my hormones are working against me. I'm not sleeping. You know, all of that is, is really difficult. But all of the work, I have to believe all the work that I put in has allowed me to be in this space that despite all of those other factors, I'm really able to keep a grasp on things and I'm I'm super proud for that. So 
mental health wise, um, if I can get my, <laughs> if I can get a good, oh, we got a grunt from the baby. If I can get sleep and I can, um, keep working on my breastfeeding journey because we had a few really good days and I, I think it was self-inflicted because I stopped pumping so much. I got kind of got out of a routine because we had bags of milk in the fridge. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to just reduce how much I'm pumping now. I don't need to pump after every feed and you know, all that stuff. And I, my supply took a dip the last few days, which has just been really, really hard. Um, so we're working to get it back up. We're back on a schedule and we will see what we can do. But at the end of the day, my baby is being fed and that's all that matters. So what do I want to say to kind of wrap this up today? No matter what your parenthood journey looks like, whether you are an expectant parent, whether you already have kids and maybe they're grown, whether you plan on ever carrying a child or maybe you will adopt or foster or be a step parent, whatever your journey to parenthood looks like, or if you choose not to be a parent, it is valid. Your journey is unique and beautiful and something to be cherished. It will not be what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> there is no preparing for this. And that's okay. Because inherently, intuitively, we all have what it takes to be amazing parents within us. And I think coming from a space where we're all in tune with our mental health and that's you know the focus of this podcast and that's why you're here and listening to this right now means that you're interested in healing your mental health. The fact that you are aware of that means you're changing generational patterns. You are doing it better than your parents did, even if they did an amazing job. Um, I think everyone has that goal of, you know, I just want to do best for my child. And you will. You are. You're doing an amazing job. And I think right now I might be speaking to myself <laughs> because I need to hear that. Um, but I, I do feel like genuinely I am doing right by him. Like Lars is a happy, content, fed baby. And at 12 days old, what more could I ask for? So remind yourself that no matter what your journey to parenthood looks like, it's unique and beautiful and you are deserving of this love that is one of a kind when you become a parent, whatever that looks like. For anyone not interested in becoming a parent, I hope you know that I see you and I honor that decision too. There's so much pressure from our society. That's the expectation. You know, you kind of get the relationship, get the house, get the baby. And that's what you're supposed to do. And if that's not in the cards for you, whether by choice or um, by circumstance, I hope you know that your journey is still just as meaningful and purposeful as anyone else's. 
you guys sharing this experience with you means the world to me. Thank you for allowing me to use my platform to talk about this and express what becoming a mom means to me and how this journey is already changing me and stretching me and challenging me to grow in new ways. That's what we're all about here in the anxious therapist community is growing and expanding and evolving into the next best version of ourselves. And I feel immense gratitude that I am able to do that as well as facilitate that hopefully for all of you. So thank you. You guys are amazing. I am so blessed to be in this community surrounded by such amazing people. The outpouring of love that we have received has been overwhelming in the best way possible. So thank you for being a part of our lives. I love sharing the intimacy, the behind closed doors stuff that other people don't always like to talk about. I hope you enjoyed hearing how we brought Lars into this world. And I can't wait to see you guys in the next episode.